1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. How long that? That's the second time it's gone off. never got home.
0: They never got home. They never got home, those guys.
1: The second captain's world service. They did not war and
2: death and famine it's not that at all it's the opposite of that it's the persuaded of the world outside of that that's why sport's important
3: On the same night that Stephen Kenny said his farewells to the Lansdowne Road crowd James McLean too said goodbye after more than a hundred caps for his country in truth there is little more to say about Kenny's reign at this point but McLean's impassioned defence of his own Ireland career gave us plenty to argue about in the World Service Hey Murph Hey Owen how's it going? You largely stood away from I, 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 I took the high road on As uh, myself and Ken went at it You have to have a buildy I see this Oh yeah great This is what McLean had said You have to have ability. I see this Oh yeah great work ethic And this and that He's a good runner Yeah well go grab Mo Farah off the street And stick him in You have to re- uh, you have a have buildy to go with it When I read comments like that It insults me Maybe when I retire I will get more recognition For my football ability Than I do now
0: Well he's not as good a runner As Mo Farah I mean he's miles off That level um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I see where he's coming from. Uh, I see where he's coming from, but, but, um, it is true though, you know, I mean, compared to other football players, his, 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 uh, strengths are his, you know, kind of his athleticism. He's, he's physically very robust. Uh, he's got great stamina. He works very hard on the pitch. I mean, these are, these are the things that. Enabled him to have that career rather than, you know, brilliant technical ability. Which, to be honest, if he has, he, he should have shown it more often because I didn't. Um, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't remember. I understand his
3: point. I understand his point. I, I think that. People underestimate the level of technical ability you have to have just to get to where he is in the game. Obviously, well, he's not. It he's not a, he's not a Wes Hoolan. He's not a Wes Hoolan, standard technician or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, but know. that's what we're,
0: we're. Yeah, but that's what he's been compared. To. He's been compared to other football players, not like you know, not not normal people walking around on the street. You know, I mean, it's, it's 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 taken for granted that you've got a certain level of technical ability to be able it's not, to play no, football. I don't, I don't. I don't. The question don't is, what, do you, is. Is. what
4: do you people, stand think, out? I think something similar happened out? in Kevin
3: Caban's career as well. It was, you know, another one. I, I, I think sometimes, it's also not just what stands out, it's what's valued. I think the qualities that someone like James McLean brings to the table can be overlooked sometimes. You know what I mean? We're all a little bit more impressed, maybe, by your Wes Hoolahan's but ultimately, why am I bringing Wes Houlihan to this? I was about to basically ultimately who had the bigger career, James McLean or Wes Hoolahan? My point being that McLean deserves, uh, deserves probably more respect, I think, than he's had over the years for his, for what, for... The performances that he's put in.
0: Well, I I also think he's he he's got plenty of respect. I mean, he's got 103 caps. He's about to have a big night of respect uh, against. You know, this is this, this is there. Are, how many Irish players have got over 100 caps? I mean, he, there's seven or eight. got I can't, I can't
3: caps of doesn't he doesn't he. Like, you know, a lot of players. I mentioned the band Glenn Wheel Whelan got a lot of caps for a long time. I don't think he was that. You know, it was necessary to get that much respect from the Irish... Well, I, should
0: we all have been and there there are a number of, of
3: there are a number of others. You know, should just, we just set up like, a cult of not mean that you got respect.
0: A cult of Glenn Whelan, you know, should we should we have a statue of him outside the ground? I mean well, what do we, you know, how much respect <laughs> is this? It's not enough. No, my like, point oh,
3: is getting caps for a country, but often it's the opposite. Sometimes when you're too familiar with a player who people see limitations in, you actually, fans sometimes go harder against that player. So my point in bringing up Glenn Whelan there was just that just actually being picked in the team by managers doesn't, doesn't mean that you're given what did he get the recognition by the wider football
4: public.
0: I, I think McLean has got loads of respect, not only for what he's done on the field. He's obviously a hero to um, lots and lots of Irish people for uh, stuff which doesn't have anything really to do with football. Um, I think he's got tremendous respect. I mean, if you're asking me, am I gonna am I gonna sit here and tell you that he was a brilliant technical player? I mean, that would just be that would just be bullshit. Like, <laughs> I mean, of course he's he, of course he's anyone, of course like he's a better than player than sorry here i am on the occasion of his 103rd cap you've got me criticizing him you know you've driven me into criticizing you him criticizing the, him well you 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 know you've 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 done this owen you've you've goaded me you've you've corralled me into a situation <laughs> where i'm forced to uh, simply by telling the truth it sounds it sounds as though I'm, I'm attacking james mclean uh who as i say is a tremendously respected player uh 103 caps uh we, we won't see his like again too often. So, Murph, who won anything?
2: Uh, Thanks, Murph. Ken... Well, I agreed with Ken, so. <laughs> but maybe you won the argument. How about that? It's a little, you know, sop to both of you. Well, that's all that matters, really, winning, our winning arguments. Yeah, not I... who actually. Let's you... be honest. Ken doesn't believe half the things he <laughs> says. He just wants to win really the, argument, the argument.
0: Ken so. expanded a bit in his reviews, in fact. Uh, he shouldn't worry about people praising him for, for, for working hard you know maybe that, that's a problem with the culture you know people overrate talent and underrate hard work as they're like oh hard work well anyone could do that but like we know most people can't <laughs> not even yeah absolutely can't, can't.
2: Paul O'Connell talks Paul, Paul O'Connell talks about zero skill moments you know oh, yeah. and James McLean was a master of zero skill moments that uh, elevated him far beyond a lot of other footballers yeah. with more ability and yeah, I mean, uh, listening to you two hammering away at each other with such gusto over the last few days, of course, that always makes me sad. But I do also think yeah. that uh, it's not damning, with, damning you with faint praise to say that you have incredible energy, incredible fitness levels uh, and incredible uh, willingness to do whatever it takes for the team. Teammates, actually, it, it turns out, appreciate that way yeah. more than uh, lads who are uh, extremely talented who don't put the work in. Yeah. So. That's us
0: uh, because, you know, yeah. I, I feel as though that sort of, um, you know, oh respecting like effortless ability is kind of almost, is a, is a part of like the culture of English public schools. You know, Boris Johnson or whatever, because he spoke in a posh accent, yeah. was able to kind of quote lines from the Iliad or whatever. People are like, oh, this guy's really smart. You know, he's actually useless, a, a useless piss head. Um, you know, at the, end, at the end of the day, like a total disaster uh, in almost every respect. Yeah. Um, you know, incapable of of work. Uh, Let's not get trapped in that English public school mentality. Thankfully, there
3: was more than just the Irish team to chat about this week. So what did Ken do after the match on Tuesday night?
0: Well, I went on and, uh, you know, I was looking and I was like, you know what? Brazil are playing Argentina. Brazil are playing Argentina at half 12. I think I'll stick it on. So I went, uh, I checked out Premier Sports and of course it wasn't on. So I thought, well, these TV companies... And
3: of course, it wasn't on. <laughs>
0: well, you know, d- d- it wasn't just Premier Sports. It was all all of the sports. They all channels let you like, Come on, all now, the ones, all this, I'm. I'm money. It's. I'm bothering me pan in here, trying to earn, <laughs> trying to earn to uh, me pan in, really trying pan. trying to earn to pay up, uh, pay these TV people. And then when I want to sit down and watch Brazil against Argentina in the most eagerly awaited South American World Cup qualifying clash of the century, mm. of course, another them are showing it. So I had, to, I had to get online and start and, and go into the, the dark netherworld of the internet and uh, see what I could find out there, you know? Mm. And eventually, after clicking through about God, a billion... You, you
2: mustn't have had a clue what you were doing, did you? Like, Jesus, it's just well, it's I, so daunting. I had to click you know, through. You're like, well, like, why? where do you even begin with such a, a project?
0: Well, look, you know, I, don't, you know, I, was, I, I got onto that, um, you know, that dark web yeah. that you hear, yeah, you yeah, hear yeah, a yeah. lot Jesus about, you know? Ken. and uh, put, You were looking to get out with, a, with your life? I put a little tape over my my, my laptop's webcam, you know. Yeah. So I was like, Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't uh, know what they'd be up to. Uh, and I and I clicked. Uh, I I shut down about a million pornographic pop-ups. <sighs> uh, and I thought, Jesus, like, you know. I hope I don't get a knock on the door in the morning, like, we're we're impounding your computer <laughs> in hard drives. You know, suspicious internet activity has been detected at this address. I, mean, I was just trying to watch the Comic <laughs> ball <Bowl> qualifiers. <laughs> you know, it it's not Premier. Premier Sports as well. <laughs> I wanted to watch it legitimately, but they gave me no choice. Well, uh, I imagine it was like something you would expect to see
2: in a paranormal. One
0: minute there, I managed to find a, a feed. Suck it on, and uh, the Brazilian anthem was playing, and then... Uh, And then uh, they're all getting into it. And then suddenly they're showing a brawl. Uh, like a, a a huge fight in the stands in the Maracaná between Argentina and I'm like oh the crowd seems to be quite mixed actually. Like there, there's a bunch of Argentine fans, there's Brazil fans here and then there's the police and then zooming in, you see the police are absolutely battering Argentina fans who are now ripping up uh, seats of you know, those blue and yellow Maracaná seats and flinging them at the police or just using them to, to batter, to, to batter people nearby in the style of wrestling. Um, the police, are, you know, have batons. The players have all now flooded down to that end of the pitch to go towards the ground to sort of appeal for calm. Or in the case of Emiliano Martinez, to jump up and, and himself hit a policeman who he saw hit uh, attacking an Argentina fan. They were saying uh, we could see the police attacking. Apparently, some of their families are in this area. We could see the police going for it. Like Messi has put out a statement after the game. Um, uh, it's a spoiler here. The team continues to make history. Great victory in the Maracanã. This is Brazil's first ever defeat in World Cup qualifying at home. The first ever home defeat in World Cup qualifying for Brazil. Lionel Messi, in presumably one of his last away qualifiers against Brazil, just keeps completing things. Just keeps adding, yes, you know, that's, uh, yeah, beat Brazil, the Maracanã, yeah, I've done it. Uh, Great victory in the Maracanã, although it will be marked by the repression of Argentinians in Brazil once again. This cannot be tolerated. It's a madness. It has to stop immediately. Uh, He said after the game, we saw the police were hitting people also with some of our families here. It also happens in the Libertadores final. So the Boca Fluminense Libertadores final was also the Maracanã, And also, although I didn't realize it, uh, apparently there was police beating... Uh, Boca fans at that, so they're more focused on that. They being the Brazilian police, they're more fo- the Brazil. They are more focused on that than on playing the game. Um, Messi, Messi, after kind of looking up at this situation, which was not under control at all, was continuing like just, just this chaos and, and this beating. Um, to it led the Argentina players back to the dressing room. So I was thinking, what's going to happen here? Like, are they going to play this game? Like, is this? Are they going to announce that? This game actually is has, has to be played tomorrow. Cheapers, uh, <laughs> you got bang for
3: your no books here, Ken.
0: Oh yeah, well I, well, I was well, I was also thinking I can't believe it. I've got to get up. Uh, like I've, I have it's already like 10 to 1 and this game hasn't <laughs> and even still started. Still no
2: football. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so and I couldn't wait to see the game because, you know, there's a really interesting situation with the Brazilian national team at the moment, which is actually not unlike what's happening with the Ireland team or what has been happening. We've got Fernando Diniz the Brasileiro boss man who uh, is the coach of Fluminense who won that Copa Libertadores final against Boca, but also the coach of Brazil. So he seems to be there as a kind of a placeholder in the sense that Brazil, for some reason, wanted to hire Carlo Ancelotti. But Carlo Ancelotti happens to be the Real Madrid manager. So they have to wait until he's finished managing Real Madrid, which obviously could happen if Real Madrid sack him. But it's scheduled to happen next summer when his contract runs out. Until then, they were like, hey, Fernando, you know, we're sort of all out of ideas here. And you seem like a kind of a cool guy. And everybody likes your Fluminense team. So how about you do it? And he's like, well, I'm managing Fluminense. And they're like, you can do both. And he's like, well, okay. So this is what he's been doing. Uh, and, and this guy is like uh, an interesting figure in football who uh, his team is, is essentially credited with playing a, a type of football which is completely different from what has been established in Europe as the dominant style of football. Basically the Guardiola positional game, right? Which from his point of view is a kind of a tyrannical bureaucracy he doesn't want to be a tyrant like guardiola you know where a coach is controlling everything um where everyone's a cog in the machine you know we want to be associative we want to be relational you know we want to be free we want to be free to do what we want to do Mm -hmm. and and what we want to do it turns out in this game is kick argentines and hit them in the face we'll get to that (laughs) we'll get to that but like i find this i find this Kind of interesting because on one level I, I sort of instinctively reject it because I'm thinking, you know, this guardiola game, this positional game, this you could call it robotic, you could call it overstructured and it's too much about the coach and blah 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 blah. It it is effective when you look at who wins things now. Right? It seems like all of the winning teams like that's the thing about football. These ideas are tested against each other in a game and the the ones that are good tend to beat the ones that aren't as good, right? That's that's sort of what happens. It's a game. It's more simple than than life. You know, there are rules. well, in theory, there are rules in this game. There weren't really, but it, so, so I'm kind of thinking, can this guy sort of? But then I actually saw a clip yesterday. Um, it was uh, it was a clip of you know Juan Juan Lillo, who is Guardiola's assistant uh, at Man City. Now he's he's, a, he's he's kind of a little old guy who you will see sitting next to Pep, and he has been. Himself, a kind of a mentor to Pep, Um, he, you know, uh, uh, one of these uh, pioneers of the positional game, you know, or a a kind of a a big preacher of this style of football. Um, So the clip was of him doing co-commentary on the 2011 Champions League final, right? The 2011 Champions League final, Man United against Barcelona, and we can remember the game. I mean, it was it was a phenomenal display by Barcelona who destroyed Manchester United on the day and the clip was uh, so, so he's the co-commentator on the Spanish broadcast uh, or maybe it was Mexico, I'm not sure uh, he is uh, I think the commentator says I mean, this is, I was just reading subtitles, I don't speak Spanish but the commentator is like, oh you know Wamba, who do you think, it's about 20 minutes into the game who do you think is the best player in the game so far and um, uh, and he goes Pedro and the commentator's like, what? People <laughs> like Pedro, has he touched the ball? No, exactly. He hasn't touched the ball. You know, Oh, look at Pedro. So you can see Pedro in the, in the, you know, on the screen, like he's standing out on the left wing by the touchline, you know, he's just standing, he's just waiting out there. He's not coming inside at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like, yeah. And the commentator's like, yeah, cause he's, he's working so hard for the team. Right. And he's like, no, he's not working hard. He's just holding his position. Uh, and you're like but what are you saying and he's like because Pedro is doing this he's allowing Messi and Iniesta to come in behind uh, the um, United midfield you know to get into those positions and because Valencia then has to come back because Pedro is here uh, occupying this space Valencia has to come back and that means Abidal is free Abidal being the Barcelona left back and he can come in and sort of dictate the game and blah 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 blah. and you're like this is bullshit like this might be this might be true but to present it as like oh pedro is the most important player in the game messi is the most important player in the game messi Xavi and Iniesta are head and shoulders above everybody else in this game don't give me this because Pedro is standing on the left side that's what's enabling Messi and Iniesta and Xavi to be so good come on come on this is nonsense this is absolute nonsense this is oh look at me that's what that is it's look at me you know I'm the coach well he's in fairness he's not the coach but he's sort of taking credit for Guardiola kind of being of his ideas it's like oh I'm so clever I'm going to put Pedro Standing out here, and then Messi will be able to do this time. Now it seems to me like Messi's been, still been quite good ever since he was playing in different styles, playing for Argentina, you know, playing for Barcelona after Guardiola. Seems still, he still seems to kick ass a lot of the time, right. even after Pedro left the club. There was something about that clip that annoyed me. Like on the one sense, it, it's Apparently insightful. Felt. Yeah, on the one sense, it's insightful. Like here's a coach telling you something that like Mo well, I'm watching well, it's pompous it. Pompous
2: and smug. That's what that's what annoyed you. That's what annoyed well, it would a literally Addy sane minded person watching that exact same clip is just like well, it's true.
0: oh, piss off, mate. Piss off. Piss off. Yeah. And I and I feel like there's a there's a, there's, a, there's the, the side of me that went piss off to Juan Malilla Juan Malillo claiming that Pedro was like influencing the whole game by like standing on the touchline. Is the same part that wants Fernando Denise to show that we can Come on, guys. You know, let's just get out there and express ourselves. We'll do them for you today, basically. Yeah, let's let's get out there. the entire European football culture. Yeah, you know, we we don't don't actually like these. Yeah, they've never seen, all they want to do is build a bureaucracy. Let's have a football super state and let's all become robots. You know, let's lock ourselves into this the iron cage and all this kind of stuff. No, no, we're, you know, remember the feel of the sand beneath your feet, the ball against the sand, you know? It's about one-twos. It's about the relationships between players. You know, it's about all of us crowding over to one side of the pitch and just playing a five-a-side game over there, you know? <laughs> it, whereas, obviously, the the sort of the you know european boring guardiola club thing is well if all of you are over on one side of the pitch that means there's always a space over the other side so get the ball over there quickly to a free man now they're like no no you know that man no man is an island let's play together let's let's invent the game that's one two our way through this defense and you know it's kind of it's, it's interesting just to see somebody thinking a bit differently right is it gonna work the answer no, no, not at all. It's been it's been going absolutely terribly for Fernando Denise. Uh he, <laughs> he's going terribly they lost to Colombia, as you know, recently. Uh this was gonna be Argentina. Now Walter Casagrange is uh is one of the top Brazilian um uh, uh pundits now. He was a member of the Socrates uh Corinthians team back in the 80s he was kind of the big-hearted center forward of the, the democracy Corinthians team. So what I'm saying is this guy is not some kind of like reactionary Lothar Mateus type. You know what I mean? He's, he's respected. Like I, I saw him in Qatar at the World Cup and there was just a crowd of people around him, you know, including Gabriel Batistuta Batistuda's like, oh, Casa Grant, you know, oh, what a player. Well, it's, the honor is all mine, Casa You know, this, he's, he's a figure of, of that standing. I was just reading his column uh before this game after it was 2-1 for colombia this is the luis diaz game denise lost his way completely and started doing his usual crazy things that he usually does at clubs and thinks he can do for the brazilian team with just three days of training just to let mr fernando denise know that for the first time in history after five rounds we are behind venezuela and please don't say that there are no more fools in football that's their way of saying there no, there's no easy games in international football. They say there's no more bobos in football, right? Bobos, fools. Please don't say there are no more bobos in football because there is, and that's us. we <laughs> the Brazil. Wow. We are the bobos. We are the bobos now. We are experiencing embarrassment after embarrassment, and Fernando Diniz is completely lost. But now he should say the same thing he said when he won the Libertadores. Being champion or winning is not the most important thing in football. Reaching a final and playing beautiful football is what matters. Talking after winning is very easy, Denise. Try explaining this to millions of Brazilians who are disillusioned and ashamed of the Brazilian team. But everything could get even worse if we lose to Argentina and Maracanã next Tuesday. If Paraguay beats Colombia and Asuncion, if there is a winner between Ecuador and Chile and Quito, the two will pass Brazil, which would fall to seventh in the table. Something needs to be done urgently because, in the hands of Fernando Denise, we run the risk of going through the greatest embarrassment in our history even worse than the 7-1 for Germany. This was his column before the game. <laughs> so they play, they play the game. The game is absolutely hilarious. If there is hardly any football happens in the game. It's just people fouling each other. It's just, <laughs> D- DePaul gets hit in the face by Gabriel Jesus after like a couple of minutes. He's down, bust nose. Like, so we've started, uh, after like 25 or 30 minutes after the violence in the stance, the game starts and immediately violence just breaks out everywhere on the pitch. Like, just this, this epidemic violence starts to happen. Je- Jesus smashes DePaul in the face. De- paul has got, like, a burst nose. He's down getting caught, cotton stuffed up his nose. He gets up. Rafinha smacks him in the face, right? <laughs> like, what? Uh, yellow card, by the way, for both of these guys, Jesus and Rafinha. Um Almost nothing happened in the game between the fouls. It's just people stamping each other, kicking each other, kicking each other in the head, slapping each other in the face, elbowing each other. DePaul, I will say, if you were playing against him, you probably would hit him in the face because he runs along with you. And what he does is he grabs your arm and sort of yanks at it repeatedly. Not hard enough to pull you down, but just enough to really annoy you. And then you hit him in the face and he goes down, right? So that's, Uh. that's, he he does this. Uh, And he actually got Joe Linton sent off and uh, 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 Joe Linton, who came on as a sub in the game, uh, he got him sent off with uh, 10 minutes to go um, by doing exactly this. And John Linton didn't, was actually the first Brazilian player not to hit him in the face, but also the first to get sent. He just, he just simply pushed him away or threw him to the ground, but he got sent off for that. Uh, the match was settled by uh, Otamendi Ob- uh, scoring a Shane Duffy goal from a corner in the second half. Uh, Martinelli missed the chance. Uh, and that was it. Like 42 fouls, one red card. <laughs> one red card, which is never a red, but a load of bookings that really should have been reds. Uh, so I, I was like, wow, that was amazing. I didn't really see the evidence of the new style of play. I saw like a kind of hysterical Brazilian team trying to kick the shit out of their opponents. But what does Walter Casagrande think? That's what I thought. Okay. What does, what, what does Walter Casagrande think? A tense game with many fouls, especially from the Brazilian team. The Brazilians' nervousness and emotional imbalance were clear we were clearly inferior technically, tactically, and psychologically to Argentina, which used all his experience. A terrible moment in every sense for our Brazilian team, demonstrating what is visible to everyone, and that some in the sports press try to gloss over. They've got their own chin stroking high priests. Uh, yeah, of course. We have, a, nation has. we have a weak generation. Apart from the boys, you know, Endrick and these very young players. And with Fernando Diniz lacking the weight to lead the team, um, the insistence with Gabriel Jesus leaves us all asking why he didn't touch the ball the whole game. Rafinha played another bureaucratic game. Every time he tried to dribble above his quality, he fumbled the ball. Brazil is weak. We have to recognize that. And the arrogance that the many in the sports press helped to perpetuate. We don't beat anyone anymore. Denise's team did not have the strength to chase the result. The worst thing is hearing players and coaches saying, we are on the right path. But which path are they talking about? The CBF is largely responsible for this. However, it is the coach and players who have to answer for the results. We end 2023 with five defeats in nine games. We end this season with more stumbles than victories. Um, We are embarrassing ourselves. Embarrassing ourselves. And we must react urgently so that worse things don't happen than what we are already witnessing In March, we have two friendlies in Europe, England at Wembley, Spain and Madrid. We need to think seriously because the risk of being overrun is very high. Now, we have to look in the mirror and accept that our team is currently weak and the current coach is lost, not knowing what to do. So, uh, yeah, it's been a a tough midweek for a couple of coaches, uh, Owen.
3: What was that phrase that he used right at the start of that well, Can you go back so to I'm back? battering
0: me pan in here.
3: <laughs> battering me pan in. Do, doing me nut, is it? The dub does break out in them sometimes on, doesn't battering it? Me, battering me pan It does sound like it could be used if used in a different context. Yeah. A more x-rated context, it might also ah, God, make on. sense. Let's, I'm battering me
2: pan in here. I'm gonna again take the high road this week.
3: <laughs> I presume he's talking about just doing my head in, you know? Yeah, That's I think the, t- yeah, battering yeah. me pan in. Northern oh, Ireland had been having a very similar campaign to ourselves after nine games. They'd lost every match in the group other than the two fixtures against the Minnows. But they pulled off a 2-0 win against group winners Denmark at Windsor Park during the week. So maybe there's something for Michael O'Neill to build on in the next four years leading into Euro 2028, which will, of course, take place in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland and elsewhere on these shores. Not that Windsor Park is going to be seeing any of that action. That honour is going to the currently derelict Casement Park, much to the annoyance of some Northern Ireland fans. Who made their feelings known in the game against San Marino last night. (laughs) You can shove your casement park up your hole in case that's not coming across too clearly <laughs> to you guys listening. There have also been no casement banners in the crowd, including at the game against Denmark this week. Mark Langhammer is a Northern Irish trade union leader with the National Education Union and vice chairman of Crusaders Football Club. He came on the show to explain why he feels Casement Park is the way to go.
4: Naming the, the stadium at Windsor Park, uh, the national stadium, is pejorative in the first place, shouldn't have been done. You could have very easily called it the international stadium. But you know that the, the word national has connotations in Northern Ireland. There might be two nations in, in within Northern Ireland. There might be none. It might be a region. Yeah. It might be an entity. It might be a country. But it's not a nation. You know, it's not a state. Um, so they shouldn't have done that. But they did. They went ahead and did it. Uh, look, it's, it's a fact of life. My day job is a, is as a trade unionist in schools, and it's the same the same segregation as is, is a parent in schools. And largely, it's because parents feel, uh, you know, they they send their school their kids to certain schools because it's safe to get there. Uh, now, the the vast majority of well, probably the majority of Northern Ireland fans wouldn't feel comfortable walking into a nationalist or republican area. But the other thing that, I mean, the, the, the governing body has to take a different view. They have to take a wider view. Um, now, given that Northern Ireland may be in it, you know, yes, you have to take the fans' view seriously. Yes, you have to do what you can to assuage it. But are they essential? And the answer is no, because it could be Bulgaria against Switzerland. I mean, the, the view that I would take, I suppose, is that Northern Ireland is starved for good infrastructure we always get into these communal arguments whenever inf- infrastructure comes to mind. When you, you know, when we're talking about casement, people talk about, well, where did they put the M1 in the nineteen sixties? You know, they put it from Belfast to Dunganon to facilitate a Unionist Prime Minister traveling up once every fortnight from Fermanagh. or or where did they put the university? They put it in the cow field you know, two miles outside Corain instead of putting it in the second city of Derry. So there, there's nothing here. That, that can't be twisted into a communal argument. You play a game of tiddlywinks and our people are expert at finding a communal lane on it. What the governing body have got to do is, do we want to host this? If we host it, there's good money in it. But if you can't, Mark, if you can't guarantee a very basic part of
3: hosting a sporting event is being able to guarantee or do your best to guarantee the safety of supporters... And in this case, we're talking about literally the home supporters because whatever way UEFA dice it up, I think they'll find a way to get all the, the host nations into the tournament because are gonna, England are going to qualify automatically anyway, possibly Scotland, possibly Wales. So if we assume for a second that Northern Ireland will be in the tournament, if you're saying to us it's not essential to have Northern Ireland fans at the stadium because their safety can't be guaranteed, that's, that's a fairly damning indictment.
4: No, it's. I mean, it, it's obviously desirable to have the home supporters at the game and I don't know the percentages of who would attend and who wouldn't. I suspect you would get quite a walk-up of of neutrals or people who just want to see the game without necessarily supporting anybody. But the core Northern Ireland support. And I have no reason to disbelieve Gary uh, McAllister. He does say that the supporters are are trenchantly against um, Casement. And he is an honest big guy. So I, I don't disbelieve him. But they are the core support, and the core support do not always represent everybody. So I think there would be an appetite in Northern Ireland to go to the game. The other factor for, for me that's important, um, because this 36 million has been held up for so long, um, you know, this five games at Casement means that there are going to be five other teams other than Northern Ireland arriving in Northern Ireland. That means that we've got to provide one or two, or maybe three, proper training complexes uh, up to UEFA standard, and as somebody that's been involved in managing European games, you know, there's a forty-page checklist for all these things. They're not uh, they're not simple events, so that will have to be found. And I think the, the, I mean, I suppose the positive point about it is that the the British government have put their imprimatur on this. They, they have said through their Secretary of State, Chris Heaton-Harris, that they will do, quote, whatever it takes. Uh, they will create the money. So, that you know, that is, that is actually a big advantage. Uh, it's a big advantage because, obviously, we don't have a sitting devolved government at the minute and haven't had for some time. Uh, it's usually down more than it's up. So, in my mind, uh, you know, having the devolved government back would be a serious risk. To the, to the 2028 euros. What we need now is somebody who make decisions, set the money aside and get it done. What we don't need is endless committees up at Stormont to, to slow it down, because that's what would happen.
5: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. See if you don't get a result with Motherwell. You're away, mate. Your bags and your desk, boom. Your bags
3: and your desk, boom. I mean it. I'm fucking raging. Speaking from my heart. Who would I want in? I've got my Terry Boots here in.
4: Mr. Tate,
5: how you doing?
1: Not too good after tonight. Ooh, ooh. You got the job on the technicality of a
5: legend who recommended you. no beat, a techno beat, a techno, a techno, take no beat. No no, no, no Just a so little Don't try to get so deep. You know me, but I can't you know me. I can't you know me. I can't you know me.
2: I can't you know, can can't, you know, I can't you know me. You have lost the fans tonight. You don't deserve the fans. What's the fans? Just need you fucking work, wouldn't it? You are nothing. You are a fool, and you
1: are a waste of time. Good night.
3: Oh, the Guinness Book of Records stuff. Get up, get up
1: your biggest fool in Manchester.
3: If you want to hear all of these conversations that we're bringing you clips of today, if you want to hear them all in their entirety, please become a Second Captain's World Service member for just five euro a month plus VAT. Mm. Your brand new episode with Richie Sadler is out now. Wherever you get your pods, his guest is film producer Zlata Filipovic. She has an absolutely amazing story. Group in Sarajevo during the 80s and 90s, decided to start keeping a diary as a kid. Nothing extraordinary there, mostly just talking about the everyday things that 11-year-olds think about. But what changed was April 1992, war breaking out. Zlata's diary entries suddenly start to describe what living in a city under constant siege was like.
5: The first time, the kind of, so initially it was kind of gunshots that were coming from the hills. And then it started being these really incredibly loud, and I still really don't like, and I never will, fireworks. Okay. These extremely kind of loud, sudden noises, these shells that were falling. Um explosions, glass shattering, screams from wherever it had fallen and whatever it did, did did do. In the beginning, it it was... I literally probably cried every time I heard one. It was so loud. It was so scary. And then you start adjusting. Then you're like... Oh, it feels like they're actually bombing maybe more the eastern part of the city now. So they're just kind of flying overhead. And hearing the bombs fly overhead means that they're flown past you, at least. You know, it's the ones you don't hear flying overhead are coming for you. So suddenly everything, it's kind of, you start adjusting to everything. You start adjusting to no water, no food, no electricity. You know, all these sort of things suddenly start emerging, improvising, figuring out, needing to get on but also adjusting, adjusting, adjusting all the time. What's most
3: amazing about Slatter's story is the diary that she kept became her and her family's way out of the city and away from the war. It was picked yeah. up by a French publisher in the middle of the war and that's making a very long, fascinating story very short but it was picked up by a French publisher, became a bestseller, eventually she was able to resettle here in Dublin with her mum and dad. She She became a something of a celebrity and (laughs) I thought the most interesting part about her settling in Dublin was not so much having a best-selling book, as a very young mm. child. But the fact that she'd been on MTV, yeah, she'd yeah. done some sort of piece, you know, uh, some sort of uh, little insert, uh, you know, talking about wanting peace or whatever. And so therefore, she was the MTV girl. That's pretty impressive yeah, to be arriving yeah. into your, It's <laughs> a, a, a bit of kudos to be your arriving place into of refuge. A, yeah. yeah. So there's l- l- there's some lovely stuff there. It's obviously tough going at times, but she speaks about it absolutely brilliantly. The conversation is available in your episode feed now. It's a really timely one too, given the horrific situation, both in Gaza and in Ukraine at the moment has been quite a week as I'm outlining to you here Second Captain's this week. Six podcasts as always for World Service members. Emails flying in about Caseman Park and the boss man Theo and lots We're of other We're than our pan in here, on. We've also got that episode, latest episode of episode and tomorrow we are indeed, Murph. I know you thought that went over my head. I was, <laughs> I was busy focusing on what I was about to tell. Don't so me
0: pan I in here. here
3: now I'm back. But tomorrow, Friday, 24th November, almost three years since it last aired, we are putting out a new update episode of Where Is George Gibney on the BBC.
4: the broadcast of a BBC podcast Where is George Gibney Garthi in
1: They have
5: recommended
4: which a that George Gibney face
1: more than 50 charges and We are investigating that case in We encourage 70s. people left to left come
4: out. forward The this podcast which we was to referring to is the Where
5: is George Gibney
4: podcast if recommends that Gibney face trial it's open to the Gardaí to then seek his extradition from the USA
3: Yes, you may have heard developments on the news here recently. Mark Horgan will be bringing a new case update to the Listeners around the world who made this one of the biggest podcasts of 2020. The episode will mainly feature a Q&A that took place in the National Concert Hall, which we were at and which was absolutely fascinating. That was last year with Mark, Trish Carney, Burke Harley Gary O'Toole, Johnny Waterson Fiona Bennett, and hosted by our own Sinead O'Carroll. I remember thinking at the time, people would absolutely love to hear this yeah. and they will be hearing it now. Where is George Gibney is a second Captain's production for the BBC. So it is available on BBC Sounds, on the BBC Sounds app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to this one. Please consider signing up. You know what to say, Murph.
2: Yeah, um, I suppose really the, the, the one thing I'd like to say to finish on is... That the Second happens podcast is part of the Acast you. Creator Network. To be honest, that's just something that's that I, I, I'm say. eager to say, and I'm happy so that you've given me the platform the to, to to announce that. So thank you, Owen, and thank you everyone for listening. That's the second time never go
0: home. never go home. never go
1: home. The Second Captain's World Service.
2: It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade a world outside of that. That's why sport's important.
0: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.